seeking alternative ways to eternal life. Why do the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks search for wisdom when it comes to looking and searching for the meaning, purpose and wisdom of life? Paul said we, the church, preach Christ, Christ crucified, which to the Jews is a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1, 22-23 For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, to Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. In verse 24, we see Paul speak this most profound statement of truth. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. The two questions I want to ask us all are, number one, are we, two, looking for eternal life in supernatural signs, miracles, healings, works, function, principles, laws, ceremony, customs, culture, and tradition? And secondly, are we looking for eternal life in the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom through the intellect, the mind? There are three operating systems. The first one is when we ask for signs. This leads to a form of godliness, but we deny the power. The second one is the search for wisdom, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. And the third one is Christ, Christ crucified, eternal life now. If we are doing either of these things, we are no different to the Jew or the Greek when we are in asking for signs or searching for wisdom. And we will attempt to come into life through a false way, rather than living as one called. These are operating systems rather than a people or a nation. Too many followers today have an overstimulated fascination with signs, miracles, healings, works, function, or with the pursuit of intellectual knowledge of the scriptures rather than with a Christ, Christ crucified reality, Christ being the power and the wisdom of God. And I wonder why is this the case? These two operating systems are heart attitudes and mindsets that are firmly established in the lives of followers of Jesus. Only through a follower truly repenting will these sacred cows be demolished and empower a person to be set free of them and come into a living, eternal life. Both these positions are fleshly and are highly appealing to the flesh. They are strongholds of the flesh that need to be broken into pieces by the cornerstone, the word of God, power. Jesus is the power, not a sign, and he is the wisdom, not the intellectual understanding of scriptures. To those who are called, they have come into the revelation that eternal life is only found in the Christ, Christ crucified. Signs are just something that follow these followers, but they do not ask for them. And wisdom is in demonstration of what we believe, not what we know about God through our own human learning. Mark 16, 17. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. These followers also know that it is only upon the revelation of the Spirit that one can know true knowledge. They know that gaining the mind of Christ is not done through an intellectual exercise or pursuit of human learning. Galatians 1 verse 12 
for I neither received it, the gospel, from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. We see Paul share the same teaching in 2 Timothy 3, 1-7 about followers who hold to a form of godliness but deny its power, and they are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So let's look at the first operating system, signs, power. Why is it that someone or a body of people can go through all the physical requirements of the gospel and sacrifice and offerings and commission-based activity but deny its power? Because when the true power turns up, Jesus, he exposes all the hypocrisy, falseness, attitudes of beliefs, mindsets, pride and fears that we hold as dear and true. He exposes our lack of true relationship with him. These things are our cornerstone, our foundation, and the true foundation, Christ, tests all of this. This is why we deny the power, Jesus, or truth, and hold on to our form of godliness and pharisaical leaven. We look for eternal life in signs and intellectual wisdom, or what we call knowledge. So we don't have to address all these inner heart and mind strongholds that we are attempting to build our life upon. The thought of losing all the pillars that we have built our life on is too much for us because it is asking us to let go of what we have built our life on. This tends to be a follower's way of living because they have only received the gospel in words only rather than through the revelation of Jesus Christ as Paul did. Galatians 1.12. These followers have had their inner evil nature pierced by the living word, the gospel, the resurrected one. And so when the living word Jesus' power turns up, they deny the power but hold on to their religious ceremonies, traditions, and lives, justifying and rationalizing the truth or power away that builds his eternal life within us. The temple of self still stands. These people tend to scream legalism or self-righteous judgment when it is the truth with power being declared. This mental agreement with the power or Jesus isn't enough to change our inner heart position. We are covered by love, but not crucified by love. A mental agreement or understanding of the word is powerless to change us and doesn't empower us to live the way Jesus commands us to. This operating system operates from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It is good, but not life. It's not eternal life. It's the power of the word received through the spirit that changes our inner realm, our inner heart, posture, not our ability to learn and understand. Let's have a look at the attributes of the inner life of a people or a follower who deny or reject God's power, the truth, Jesus, and only accept the words of the gospel or the truth in the mind or intellect, rather than receive the work of the gospel in their innermost realm. 2 Timothy 3, 1-7 But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, 
without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of gold, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's just take the first attitude, lovers of self. Difficult times will come because men will be lovers of self. When a person loves self and is a lover of self, they are not a lover of God. It is impossible to be a lover of God and be a lover of self. The two do not coexist. You will either love one and hate the other or love the other and despise the one. This is why we cannot love God and money. Money is the second attitude these people hold as dear to themselves. Both these are positions of the flesh. God is loving us in the state of being. But let us be clear, we are not loving God and this is what God commands. The loving of oneself is the consequence of the fall, and it is anti-God and God's truth. God gives us his truth, Jesus, to make us free from our evil self-centered and absorbed nature. His truth that is discovered in Christ crucified, the operating system for every follower, kills and sets us free from self. John 8 verse 31 so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Once again, when we address this from a spiritual dynamic and reality, primarily, we see a whole different reality that is unfolding for us, the church, and not the Jews. Like I have said, the Jews who ask for signs is an operating system in man and of man, which is in us, unless we have received Christ crucified the way the scriptures declare. The interesting dynamics here is that these Jews believe Jesus. How does one believe Jesus and then disagree with what comes forth out of the mouth of the one you say you believe in? Self has a mental agreement belief. It believes from an intellectual understanding and not a spiritual, deep, inner conviction position of the heart. When the truth, power, Jesus speaks, like it is in verse 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, a mental agreement belief will find itself opposing what was just spoken. When what is spoken contradicts what it believes to be the truth, a mental agreement with the living truth will see you be covered by truth, but it is only as we continue in his word that we come to know the truth that makes us free in the inner realm. As we continue in the word or truth or Christ, we come into the belief, which is a living, deep inner conviction of truth, which makes us free of self. The believe, which is a mental agreement, never sets us free of self. Only the deep inner realm of conviction of truth through the power of God sets us and makes us free of the temple of self. It's only when we receive truth brought to light by the Spirit does it bring the nature of Christ alive in us, 
that we can now live selfless and as a true worshiper who loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving others as themselves. This forms and builds the attitudes of being, which are his value systems of love, humility, life, righteousness, etc. When the substance is being built, we are no longer living and loving self. Self has been killed by the new creational glory. The problem with self or flesh is that it believes it's not in bondage to itself. It is deceived by itself. This is what deception is, to believe you are in something you are not, or to believe you are not in something you in fact are. John 8.33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? This is deception right here. Just because we have accepted Jesus and say we believe doesn't mean we are not enslaved to our own self and be lovers of self. We are his child, so it's not a justified issue, but a sanctificational issue of transformation and being made perfect. We say things like, this is not us. These are Jews. I am a Gentile and a follower of Jesus. We say this, dot, dot, dot. We are descendants, followers of Jesus, and we are no longer enslaved to anyone. Jesus sets us free from all things. This is absolutely the truth, but has it become our literal experience and reality? The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. That's all fear. Not half fear, but all fear. Many live their lives bound up in fear. Fear of loss, the loss of their lives that aren't even our own lives. Why are we in fear of the loss of our life when our old life is supposed to be dead, given over, no longer even in existence? The reason? We don't know perfect love. We haven't received it, which means we are still living and loving the very lives that we are not supposed to exist. We have zero concept of the new life we are supposed to be living in and for in Christ. This life remains concealed for many as it is found in Christ and Christ alone. What many do is just incorporate Jesus into our lives that we think is life rather than Jesus being our life, being our source. And we get on with doing works for Christ through the flesh. Our behavior stays the same and self and the love of self continues to be firmly in control of our lives. Our capacity and capability to truly model the Christ-like life is pretty much non-existent. As we have looked at, we have the form of godliness because we sort of look the part, but it's all a smokescreen and a false illusion. We turn up to services, we sing the songs, we may or may not give, we attend discipleship groups, but the reality is we are still living from and for ourselves. When the true power, the true gospel comes knocking on our doors of our hearts, our hypocrisy and counterfeit position is found out and exposed. The problem is many of us have zero concept of our true state, and so we are completely offended or confused by what we are hearing and reject, deny, fight, ignore what it is we are hearing. We don't have the life ourselves and we don't model anything of real substance, but we know how to resist and reject the truth, the power, the true gospel, Christ Christ crucified, that will change us on the inside and form this eternal life in us. If we have been given 
through his power everything pertaining to life and godliness, as 2 Peter 1 3 teaches, then why is it that some followers only have a form of godliness? It's because they deny the power. Can it get any more clear than this? What is the power they deny? Jesus, Christ, and Christ crucified. Who is the power of God? Jesus. We deny the true gospel. We deny the Christ, which would pierce the God of self and set us free to actually come into the eternal life we have been promised by Christ. Look at these absolute statements again. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. John 8, 31-32 What about 2 Peter 1, 4? For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. The passage that is from John that we just looked at in 8.31-32. What is his word compared to our word or our version of his word? He says if we continue in his word, then we are disciples of his. What an absolute statement. And because of this absolute statement of being his disciple, we will know the truth, him, the gospel. And this reality makes us free. Free from what? Self and loving self. If we get made free from this, we are free of all things, as this is the root system of all things. Now let's look at the Peter passage, as these are intrinsically linked. God gives us through his divine power everything pertaining to life and godliness. And through this we can know his precious and magnificent promises, so that we can partake of his divine nature and escape the nature of corruption, lust. Are we joining the dots here between John and Peter? If we are truly in him, through Christ crucified, we are in the power that has set us free from self and the love of self, and have received the love of our Father, which enables us to live an authentic and true life of godliness. The Bible said godliness is profitable for this life and the age to come. We can do this because we now have his divine nature actually within us, manifesting forth from us. This brings it all back to what is our operating system, signs, wisdom, or Christ crucified. Only one has the power of God infused and imparted with it, which produces the true life of God in us. We are only really free to the measure of the word we are actually in, John 8.31. The key word here is continue. God's divine power, Jesus, must smash the spirit of pride in us through the fall, sin. Otherwise, the spirit of pride will continue to reside in our innermost being realm, and we will be in fear of all things. Fear is the outcome of pride, and pride is the outcome of our fallen evil nature. Pride is sin. That is why to not operate from faith is a sin. It's God's divine power that obliterates self and the love of self, pride in us. His love is covering us while his power is to be going to work in us. Pride opposes God vehemently, Christ crucified power, so it goes looking for life and godliness in signs and wisdom. It does this so well 
that it is all painted up as Christ, the truth, Jesus, and yet it has no real power to live as Jesus and Paul lived. It's so deceptive, we don't even know we are doing it. We genuinely think it is 100% correct and of him, but our inability to live and demonstrate Christ-like life is the evidence we are in the wrong operating system. Jesus promises us an absolute reality of life that we are to demonstrate if we are living from his operating system. It's complete and absolute. His love is covering us, and just like when the Jews crucified him, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He is saying the same today. Just like they wouldn't have killed him if they had known, we wouldn't continue to try to come into life through signs and wonders and reject Christ crucified if we have true knowledge through revelation. The Jews look for life and godliness in signs rather than in Christ crucified, the power of God. Jesus, the true knowledge of God. Let me give an, us another example from John 6, 26-35, which is a fascinating passage. We see Jesus say to them that they don't seek him because they saw the signs of the miracle of the fishes, but because they ate of the loaves and were filled. Their natural need had been met by Christ. He goes on to say, Do not work for food which perishes, but for food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man gives to us. Only Jesus has the true food that builds the true eternal life within us. The true food is found in Christ, as he says. It's given, not learned, studied, acquired through human learning, but given by him to us. We have to receive the food he gives via his operating system, Christ, Christ crucified. The Jews then ask a question which is very revealing. What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? They ask this question about works because Jesus has said, do not work for food which perishes. Jesus responds with this answer. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. To believe is a work of God. Certainly it must be in a physical act of doing something that requires me to engage all of my gifts and abilities. It can't just be to believe because I already do this. The next thing the Jews say exposes the operating system of asking for signs again. Verse 30. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Jesus said they are to believe, not because of signs, but because he has been sent from the Father. He has just performed a sign through giving them natural food, bread and fish. And yet when they are challenged to believe in what he says, it's a completely different reality. This is an inner convictional belief where the heart is fully convinced that the way to eternal life is in Christ crucified and not in Jesus' ability to do another sign. What work do you perform? They said. This heart inner position is never ready to believe in him as Jesus teaches the work of God but justifies itself away by asking Jesus to perform another sign so it will believe. This pattern just goes on and on and on and as a false reality. We must be able to discern it as it wastes a lot of one's time.
Jesus is telling them he is the bread of life. And if anyone comes to him, they will not hunger. And he who believes in him will never thirst. The rest of John 6, 31 to 69 is all about Christ teaching his father's truth and then watching all those listening grapple with the reality of what is being spoken. We see disciples of Christ walk away as they say his teaching is difficult and who can listen to it? The power, the life is found in the person and in the words of that person. This is why Jesus said we must believe, be fully convinced and know this is to be true. When we truly believe, know this, we start and never leave partaking in Christ. Everything we need for life and godliness is discovered in our true knowledge of Jesus, which comes through Christ, Christ crucified. 2 Peter 1, 3-4 Jews think the power is found in the sign or the miracle, and Greeks think it's found in intellectual knowledge. When we look for this power or life in the sign or the miracle or in the wisdom, we create another Jesus or a different gospel. Let's now look at Hebrews 3, 7 through to chapter 4, 16, as this is another reality for the church to come into through the Christ crucified operating system. Verses 7 to 11 of Hebrews chapter 3 is fascinating. The scriptures teach us not to harden our hearts as the Israelites did when we hear his voice, even though the Israelites saw God's works for 40 years. Numbers 14, 11. They still had hard hearts and never entered into the promised land. They never entered into the rest, the promised land that was for them. How do we respond when we hear his voice, his word? Do we also reject the word because it comes to do a deep, inner work? Are we happy for God to do all the miracles and for us to be used to do the miracles and works, but still reject the greatest miracle, which is a work of transformation of our hearts within us? As long as everything is happening on the outside of us, we are happy. But as soon as the word comes to do an inner work, we reject, resist, deny, deflect it all away. When we do this, our hearts remain hardened and we too never enter the promised land. Today, the promised land is not a physical land, but it is all the life that is in the Christ, which comes through Christ crucified. God wants his Sabbath rest in our hearts, so we live from rest always and have all the life in Christ in us. God gives this warning twice in verse 7 and verse 15 and uses the word today to make a point. It's not tomorrow, but today. Today is the day to hear the word of the Lord and believe that word. Verse 12 to 19 is all about us learning from those who have gone before us and not repeating their mistakes. God speaks of unbelief. They didn't enter the promised land because of unbelief. We too can have unbelief and it stops us entering into his rest, the promised land. Hebrews chapter 4 is also amazing but also the Father warning us of not repeating the same mistakes. He urges us to be diligent to enter his rest, and he warns us to fear if we have not yet entered his rest and come short of it. It's his word that brings us into his rest. His word is Christ. 
Hence Christ saying in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me and I will give you rest. Christ also teaches us to take his yoke upon us and learn from him. How can one learn from Jesus if one has not yet entered rest? One can't. Rest in Christ is the prerequisite for learning. Why is this the case? As we enter into his rest, we rest from our works. In other words, we cease from our operating human learning systems of the flesh, trying to come into living knowledge through this process, which produces our works. And we enter into another dimension of life in Christ, which repositions us moving forward. As we enter into his rest, we are unyoked from the wisdom of the world and we get yoked to the wisdom of God, Christ. Because we are now yoked to Christ, we can now learn from Christ and we find Sabbath rest for our souls. In other words, we find rest for our minds, will and emotions and he goes to work renewing and transforming all these areas. The entering into rest which is found in Christ is profoundly powerful for enabling the church to live as Christ lived. It is discovered in Christ, Christ crucified. The reason we are weary and heavy laden is because we are yoked to the Antichrist operating system of signs or wisdom. We must be unyoked from these systems if we want to be set free from our weariness and heavy laden state. This state exists because of all our attempts to come into life that Christ promises us. When we truly hear the word of God and receive it through revelation of his spirit, we come into his rest and we cease from our works because this operating system gets killed. It no longer ceases to exist. As we continue to learn now from Christ, we are completely made free and live our entire lives from rest freedom. This is why Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We have entered into the promise of rest. You will find rest for your souls. These are the words of Christ, an absolute statement of a promise. If we do what Jesus teaches us to do, we receive what Jesus says. He speaks in absolutes and we receive the absolute. You will find rest for our minds, will and emotions. So the question must be asked, have we found rest for our soul through the operating system of Christ crucified? This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying in Hebrews 4 verse 1. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Verse 2 and 3 then declare the reality that we, the church, are to receive and enter into for this rest was complete before the foundation of the world. Verse 2 and 3, For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed into that rest, just as he has said or prophesied, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Are we fully convinced of what we are hearing? Meaning, do we believe because we have heard the word? Believing comes through truly hearing of the spirit, the spiritual word. If we can't hear the way we need to, we won't enter into the Sabbath rest, which means we won't yoke ourselves to him 
learning from him, and being made complete in Christ. This is disastrous for every follower of Christ as we are all invited to enter into his rest through Christ crucified. Verse 6 says, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day, today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 11 says, Therefore, let us be diligent into that rest, so that no one will fall through the following of the same example of disobedience. Verse 9, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So the question remains, have we entered the Sabbath rest of God that is formed in Christ Jesus through Christ crucified? This is part of the indestructible life in Christ. This life comes from Christ, Christ crucified, the operating system. Questions we need to look at and answer in relation to entering his rest and growing in him. Number one, why do we need to learn from Christ? Number two, how do we learn? Three, what do we learn? Four, when do we learn? And five, who do we learn from? These questions and their answers will define and build Christ's literal life in us. If we don't enter into his rest, we will continue to try and bring ourselves into life through our own operating systems of learning. Unless we take his yoke, we won't learn from him, and so eternal life will be forever avoiding us. The second fleshly operating system is the search for wisdom. 2 Timothy 3, 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How can one be always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth? The answer lies in the fact that one is still applying man's ways, operating systems to God's, and the two cannot coexist. We try to learn through the agency of flesh and blood rather than through Christ crucified, who taught us to learn from him. The Greek operating system searches for intellectual knowledge or information because it believes if it acquires enough information or knowledge, which was false, it will have life. This knowledge creates a false life that is real, but instead of producing rest for our souls, it just puffs us up into a false state and posture of pride. We still have no rest for our minds, will, and emotions, even though we can talk about rest and talk about a whole lot of other aspects about Christ. We still find ourselves not able to come to the knowledge of the truth, which makes us free and builds us on the inside. As we have looked at, truth is a person, and the truth Jesus makes us free. These people partake from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and not the tree of life, Christ. I love Luke 24:45 that says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This must be all of our realities continuously while we are here on the earth, seeking first his kingdom and righteousness. It is the role of the Spirit to teach us and to be our teacher as he opens up our minds to understand Christ and his words. This is the Christ, Christ crucified operating system. If all we do is attempt to understand the scriptures through our human intellect and ability, we will always be learning, but never able to enter into the knowledge of the truth, which makes us free and builds us into the image of the Son. Jews ask for signs. Greeks search for wisdom. When we look for life outside the person Jesus Christ crucified, 
we create another Jesus and a different gospel. When we look outside of the person, we are in trouble. Eternal life is not found in works, miracles, healings, function, ministry, principles, words, laws, tradition, ceremony, culture, etc., but in Christ and Christ alone, Christ crucified.